0: Homeschool students get to grow up with unique skills and an outlook that strengthens them to live a very intentional life. Today, I'm talking with Emily Henry, and she's going to tell us about how being homeschooled helped shape her adult life. Stay with us.
1: Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Miladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, bestselling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections.
0: Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Lisa Meladnik. Today, we're talking with Emily Henry. She grew up in southeast Michigan, where she and her siblings were homeschooled. She graduated from Hillsdale College with a degree in classical studies and English. Upon graduation, Emily taught Latin and literature for various homeschool co-ops in southeast Michigan before moving to Washington, D.C. She married her college chum, Scott, and worked in D.C. as an online instructor and nanny. Emily and her family have since moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where she works as the Master Latin Instructor for Homeschool Connections. She offers several Latin courses, both live and recorded, as well as several middle school literature courses. Emily, Scott, and their daughter, Jane, love to garden, go on nature walks, and travel. Hey, thanks for being with us, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, this is so much fun. I love it because uh, I'll just say that we both work for Homeschool Connections, and my daughter, Teresa, absolutely loved when she was in high school having you for Latin. You were, you know, one of her just top teaching experiences. Aww. loved you. <laughs> she still brightens at your name. Oh, I'm honored. That's, that's so good to know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've really been a blessing to us. So, tell us, just step us into um, kind of where and how long you were homeschooled. What was that like for you?
2: So I started being homeschooled in the fourth grade. I had gone to public school up to that point, and then my mom decided, my mom and dad, uh, decided to pull me out and wanted to try homeschooling. And at the time, that was very different. It was not common. Most people said, what? What are you doing? You're going to learn at home? I remember my best friend Still, she said she was just devastated. You know, she thought she was never going to see me again, <laughs> um, but she did. We're still best friends. But Ooh, um, That's great. She, so we st- I started in fourth grade and went all the way through to graduation. I um, graduated as a homeschooler, and um, a couple years after my mom started homeschooling me, my younger siblings then joined me. So she homeschooled. There were three of us in our family and she homeschooled all three of us, and we all graduated as homeschoolers.
0: Huh. So, you, you must have taken to it for her to draw the other children out of school. It sounds like she had a good experience. She did have a good experience, yes. Yeah, She she said that she noticed a change
2: in my whole temperament within the first year of homeschooling. I was less uptight. I was more relaxed, and I was just overall just more balanced um in in life and was learning a lot and getting much more excited about my education than I had been before that
0: wow really interesting right a sensitive intelligent kid you know probably doing fairly well in the regular school system but the instincts of the mom and dad that there something might work better for you and so that was a place of you being able to kind of unfold or blossom absolutely Mm -hmm. yes yeah. Nice, nice. So what were some of the benefits of homeschooling to you? Obviously, this sense of ease with yourself. Mm-hmm. What else would you say you can identify from that point to now as an adult looking back at things that strengthened you?
2: So I think one of the biggest ways that I was strengthened as a homeschooler was in my work ethic. As a homeschooler, you have, there's lots of different ways and approaches and families have different methods, but my mom wanted to keep it as structured and organized as possible so that it felt like we were going to school. I mean, we even stood and did the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. We had a flag. It was very, we had a start time. We had break for snack. We had lunch time and we kind of had a normal schedule as if we were in, in school. And so I feel like having that kind of structure and having to do it on your own. There's nobody, you know, she didn't have a principal telling her this is how things have to go. She had to do all of it. And so I feel like by her doing this, she set a really good example for us in what it looks like to be responsible, to take initiative, to have a, some sort of a schedule and in turn, that really I feel shaped our work ethic, and I would I would say my brothers and I, all three of us, are very driven individuals. We we know what we need to do in order to get something done. Um, we're not necessarily afraid of hard work. I would argue I really like it. I can't speak for my brothers, but I like to work. Hard. I like to I know they like to set goals. I'm not sure how excited they get about work, but I get excited about work. Um and because it feels so satisfying when you finish it. And I think that was something our mom passed on to us because she she would say it's okay. I know you don't always feel like doing your schoolwork. I don't always feel like doing the dishes, but she said that this is a way we can glorify God and she said, and you'll feel good when you've accomplished it. And you'd think, no, I'm not going to feel good when I finish math. But I did. i go, wow, I accomplished something. So there was much more of a direct link, I feel, in homeschooling between um, recognizing that you have to stay on a schedule. Somebody's not, you know, our mom was doing it for us, but that was it. Like we had to also respond to her and be obedient to her. And then also knowing that, hey, this, take, this takes hard work. We have to, we have to work hard to, to accomplish this but we're going to feel good afterwards.
0: Mm, Listen to the multitude of motherly wisdom and the naturalness of the family as a place to build virtue and life skills and all of that. Uh, A place where your mom could say in a way that was not punitive or judgmental, just, hey, you know what? I know, I get it. This is hard. I find it hard too. But, but, but let's, look for, let's look for the benefit and, and framing it for God's greater glory. I mean, when we see the way the world and our culture is going, just the fact that so many families have helped their children to frame their lives in that context is just such a blessing.
2: Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think that when it's so easy to be focused on yourself, and what feels good and our culture feeds into that I would argue it feeds into that way more now than when I was growing up because when I was growing up we didn't have social media and the bombardment that comes with that but there was still this idea of do what feels good and if this if school doesn't feel good well you know be like the other students and just say oh well, I'm not gonna learn and I, I that wasn't my personality anyway I always wanted to learn I liked school I'm one of those weird people but I would say that homeschooling helped protect us from that and like you said it my mom and my dad were able to set examples and help shape us so that we remembered it's not all about us and it's not all about what feels good all the time sometimes we have to do tasks that we don't enjoy but we can always do it to glorify God and we can always make it prayerful so I think that um Homeschooling really helps with that balance. To remember that it's it's not just about what feels good all the time.
0: You know? mm, yeah, one of my favorite um, just lessons from the Catechism is that we're a unity of body and soul. Mm-hmm. And growing up in a faith-filled Catholic homeschool allows you to have that supernatural perspective on your life that gives you a more fulsome sense of who you are and what it's about, rather than just being. You know, I see this a lot, being a consumer or being the center of attention or whatever it is that our culture is trying to get us to, to crave. Um, but yeah, what a, what a, what a beautiful outlook. Um, what are some of the negatives? There, you know, there are always pros and cons to everything and every family has their own family culture, their own way of homeschooling, their, the children and the parents and all of those variables going on. What, are some of, what were some of the downsides for you? When we started homeschooling, it was still very
2: new. We were, I would consider, we were part of a lot of the pioneer families that paved the way for families today. And so I think just the pushback from some people, there, there was, I know there are, there still can be pushback today, but it's not because it's such a shocking thing that people do. Where When I was growing up, it was so shocking that we were taken out of school and we were being taught at home so sometimes you had really positive feedback sometimes you you didn't and so some of that negative pushback was was sometimes difficult uh, to deal with and just hard because when you're young you're already you're learning how to be who you are and who God's made you to be and then if that's being challenged oh why are you doing this you know that could be difficult at times so um so I would say that was a negative, was just sometimes we had people that didn't respond as positively to that that decision for our family. And I think socially there were more challenges because you didn't have a bunch of homeschool co-ops. You didn't have online schools. The internet was just starting to reach the everyday American household when we were homeschooling. So there were... My mom had to work harder to make sure we got the social time that we needed, whereas now there's a lot more options for homeschooling families. There are co-ops. There are schools, private and public, that some of them are more open to letting students do a hybrid setup where they do part in school, part at home. Some schools are more open to having homeschoolers join their athletic programs. So all of that was not in existence when we were homeschooled. So we had to go above and beyond to find ways to do different activities, baseball. I was a dancer. My brother sits in taekwondo. So my mom had to take us to more places and come up with those activities for us to make sure we, we could engage with kids our own age. Um, it, so I would just say that was just, there, were, there was more to it. Than there is now. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. I had to go into that. Then now you just join a co-op and you're all set. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. It really it d- depends. I'm spoiled rotten because I homeschooled my daughter here on Long Island, where homeschooling is huge. Right now we have, I would guess, over 300 families just in our Catholic network. There are at least two Christian networks. There are a, a couple of. Secular networks, and because the immunization laws just got a lot stricter here in New York, we have now an unbelievable tsunami of families pulling their kids out of school and starting to homeschool. So I'm almost feeling like it's going to become the norm here pretty wow. soon. Uh, we're, we're in, you know, in New York, things are just so crazy off the charts in terms of what's happening with our our legal system and education and everything. It's just, you know. It, it's harsh. <laughs> it's really harsh.
2: But at least they have that option. That wouldn't have been such a quick, accessible option for families.
0: Mm-hmm. Back when I was homeschooling. Yeah, and thank God families like yours have paved the way because it's now legal in all fifty states. It wasn't always. Now, you know? I remember
2: getting a newsletter,
0: mm-hmm.
2: a newsletter that would talk about the fight for homeschooling families and the different. There were families that had to go to court in different states. Thankfully, Michigan was a fairly open state to homeschooling, but there were other states. It was amazing for me to see that there were families suffering because of their desire to homeschool their families, and they they had to pave a way legally um, fortunately, we didn't we didn't deal with any anything like that. And I'm
0: mm, for that. thank God, yeah. There, we, there's all sorts of horror stories. The the Homeschool Legal, Legal Decent, Defense Association yes. <laughs> say that three times fast um, <laughs> has defended so many families where. Suddenly, the school district sends a social worker or somebody to inspect the home without warning, which is illegal. Or child protective services is called by a nasty neighbor who doesn't like the fact that the kids are making noise in the yard in mid at mid morning on their academic break, or whatever it is. Right. Like, <laughs> like we literally, like, like, highly recommend that everybody who's thinking of homeschooling join the HSLDA because of. You know those kinds of things can happen in certain Absolutely. parts of the country, for sure. Yes. Um, okay. So, just kind of um, then drawing back, uh, drawing forward, I guess, into your college years. How was that transition for you, as far as being a college student after spending your high school years at home?
2: I would argue that the transition was really easy in one sense because it was similar, homeschooling is similar to the college setup. When you go to college, you don't have the high school teacher teaching you every day and making you do homework every single night and stay on task and and pace yourself. When you're in college, you're in class once, twice, maybe three times a week for for a particular subject area. And the rest of the time, the professor is not there breathing down your neck, saying, hey, you've got to do this paper and read these passages. They tell you what's expected of you. And then you get that from, you know, four to five other professors each week. And oh, you have to sit down and plan this all yourself. And you have to pace yourself. And I think because I was homeschooled, that was, it still was stressful, obviously. Um, the transition to anything new can be is stressful. But I would say that because I was homeschooled and had such a great foundation laid by my mom and a good example that I was able to schedule things and pace myself and I would do the work. I remember being amazed that some of my very good friends, you know, they'd be off doing something and I'd think, but you have this, you know, I knew what they had to do too. We're in the same class. <laughs> and I'm going, you know, I have a Page essay to write. And we- <laughs> six books from the Iliad, and how are you going and doing this? I don't have time for this, you know? (laughs) So I didn't goof off as much as some of my peers. Um, I I made sure that I tried to get as much work done before I had a study break or before I did something um, fun because I wanted to make sure that I was contributing the most that I could to my education. And so I think that, that part of the transition was great. And then being in a classroom, having professors, I loved it. It was so exciting for me because I was, I got to skip all the drama of high school.
1: And I, I mean,
2: and there was still drama. There always is. You get teenage girls together, there's going to be drama, you know, but, but I didn't have to deal with, I would argue a lot of un pressures that some kids have to deal with, especially now. Oh goodness. But when I was in high school, it wasn't as bad again, because you didn't have social media, but going into the college environment was extra fun for me because then I got to enjoy classroom experiences, but they were more mature. And I got to enjoy learning from a professor and having those relationships with my professors and my peers and just learning how to relate to all kinds of people. It was it was delightful. I learned so much during my time in college and it had its ups and downs, of course, as everything does, but I really enjoyed it. And I was always known as the
0: one that was doing her homework. (laughs) Right, exactly. I'm hearing your mother's voice softening the background going, you'll feel so much better when it's done. Offer it for the glory of God. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And that
2: was often what I would think. And then it felt satisfying when I did go swing dancing, or I had that to look forward to every Friday night, and that is what I pushed towards. Okay, I get to have fun Friday night. I get to go swing dancing with my friends. I get to go enjoy snacks and games with them afterwards, you know, and that was, that was, it was helpful, so...
0: You had real self-mastery already, a nice foundational level of that sense of how to schedule, how to manage time. So step us into adult life and how, you, how do you manage your schedules now? What does that look like? What's your process?
2: So when I, after I graduated from college, I taught at some co-ops and some homeschool co-ops. And then from there I moved to Washington, DC, and I worked both as an online teacher um, for homeschool connections and also as a nanny. And transitioning into that kind of job was wonderful because it it fit what I had been exposed to and my strengths. And I was responsible for scheduling things for the children, or if the parents said, this is what I want you to accomplish this week, or here is what the kids have scheduled, and then it's your responsibility to make sure they have their, their lunches, their snacks. Um, you get them from point A to point B. Whatever it may be, I was responsible for kind of creating that schedule and that sense of consistency for the children every week in their homes because both parents, they were working very, very hard, and they needed that support not only for their kids, but for them to know that their kids are taken care of. And so, again, from my homeschooling background, I'd watched my mom do it for years. I was home. So I got to see how much work went into laundry and dishes and meals and teaching us and how to make things fun. And so I had that example set for me, and so I carried that straight into being a nanny as well as an online teacher. Now I'm a mom, which is... (laughs) Being a nanny times twenty, right? <laughs> 20 <Yes. 7. laughs> and so now I'm a mom and I'm an online instructor and I have to do the exact same thing. And so it's just been practice like and just building upon what was what the foundations that were laid for me and the examples that were set for me as a child. If I hadn't been home, I wouldn't necessarily have seen what goes into creating a safe educational, fun, healthy home environment. When I was home, I experienced that and I wanted that. I wanted that for my children that I nannied for and I want that for my daughter and I want that for myself, you know, my daughter and my husband. I want them to feel like our home is a safe place. And so now I have different distractions, right? I love to be outside. I love to garden. Gardening and plants is like just... I love it. It's just so satisfying. But if I have work that needs to be done, I, you know, sometimes, oh, I'm ready. You know, dive right in. I love my job. I love work. But we're human, and there are times where I would rather piddle in the garden than think about grading. You know, five Latin translation passages that my <laughs> that submitted to me. Right. So that, that that requires a lot of effort. Sometimes you just go, well, I'd just rather go pull weeds. So what I have to do, I have to, I work from home. I have to schedule out my day. Otherwise, it's just so easy for me to get derailed. Mm -hmm.
0: How do you discern the priorities for a given day? Like, what's that process? For those of us who are not good time managers, and I have my hand in the air, um, uh, just tell us what that looks like for you.
2: So for me, I would say family always has to come first. Um, Actually, no, let me step back. First priority is my relationship with God, so that always has to come first. And so I always want to make sure that I am spending that time in prayer, and in the scriptures, and making sure that I'm, I'm depending on God and not on my own strength for the day. Then next would be my family, and then third is my job because you know my job is very important, but my family and God need to come first. And so that that is the ideal priority, right? <laughs> or ways of prioritizing. It's not necessarily how it always happens and I'm always I'm always dealing with that. So I what I've ended up doing, I have a motivational planner that I really, really like. I got it from I think it's just called 31 or you can plug in my 31 online and it'll come up. And they sell mostly totes and bags. Planners are not their specialty. But it was a motivational planner that I saw, and it's huge. We're on the recording. I can show you there. It's, it's gigantic. So if you like things that you can touch, you know, this is, this is great. Um, but what I do is I sit down, and I'll just mentally purge on a page everything I want to accomplish. And it might be for the next six months. I am very goal-oriented, very driven, right? So I'm often bombarded in my mind with all these things I want to do. So in order to help me prioritize, I get it all written down, and then from there, I pray through what, what really, what has the most priority here, what's realistic, and what can I achieve. And then from there, the way the planner is set up, it has like a section for monthly goals, and then it also has the month, a page where you can look at the whole month, and then it has the day-to-day. So I use all of it. So if there are several things I want to do, but I know that can't happen this month, I'll write it down for, say, October. And then when I sit down and look at all of my intentions for October, then I can work on it at that point. But until then, I can forget about it. And so that also helps me with prioritizing tasks because I try to divvy it out in a healthy way, and then I can forget about it until it's time to work on it.
0: I love that. And then I can forget about it because I find that my anxiety levels really spike if that stuff is piling up in my head. And it's it's all arguing in there for for primacy, right? Like it's just uh, a nightmare.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. I have found, um, so I, I grew up, I've been, I've dealt with anxiety my whole life. It's just part of my temperament, unfortunately. And then we live in a culture that just exacerbates people that have anxious personalities. And so for me, that mental bombardment can be so difficult and just can, I can't focus on my daughter as well. I can't focus on my job as well or time with God if I'm bombarded with all these things that I feel like I need to do. So having the planner and that system and that breakdown, I mean, I do it even for chores Mm-hmm. I have days for laundry days for dusting because I like to clean I like a clean house so that's a priority for me for some people they don't care okay that's fine but I have I have a whiteboard in my kitchen that I can change it out week by week depending on what my week looks like but here's the day I'm going to mop here's the day I'm going to do some extra meal prepping whatever it may be and that also helps me dismiss the oh my gosh I have to do this this and this and this nope that's, that's scheduled for Wednesday. I'm gonna focus on this right now. I don't have to worry about this other task.
0: Right. Once it's scheduled, it almost goes cleanly into a little filing cabinet in your brain where it goes to sleep. Like, I know it's safe now. I've placed it in my schedule. I love that idea of, okay, here's where I'm going to do these tasks. There's such a feeling of accomplishment in just learning to do that and learn to believe in yourself a little bit. You know, like obviously, our belief is always in God. I don't mean it in the secular sense, but believe that, you know, that you've wired your brain at this point through practice that you know that you're going to as much as possible show up to that schedule and live it out so you can have confidence that for the most part things will get done
2: exactly and you have to be careful because you can have you can have extremes when it comes to a schedule scheduling and having a schedule can so easily become an idol and then you're depending on that schedule for peace and satisfaction and if it if you're doing that and i'm i'm guilty of it it will it happens to me then I realize my priorities are out of whack again, and I need to make sure that I am spending time with God and that He is my source of peace and satisfaction. A schedule can help me work through what task God wants me to do, but it's not the be-all, end-all. And as a mom of a 16-month-old currently, I have to be flexible because there are times where I have scheduled something And she's just not having it. It's not working today. She needs mom to just be right there, or we need to go take a walk and just get some fresh air, whatever it may be. So, you don't want to be so married to the schedule that it's causing you more anxiety when you don't achieve everything. You want it there to help dismiss that mental clutter. If that's how you think, it will be helpful. But as soon as it starts becoming your idol, you got to swing the pendulum back the other way and remember God is who I worship, not the schedule. So you have to find a blend of the two. Otherwise the schedule will just cause more anxiety. So you have to, you have to have that flexibility.
0: I just love the picture I'm getting here, and I hope that homeschooling parents will kind of rest in this a little bit. Look at look at the way God's plan is playing out in your life as you discern from moment to moment and day to day and so forth. You studied classics and literature. You had the homeschool experience of absorbing so much of your mother's values and hard work and her ability to, to juggle and to prioritize. That all fed into your own character building and ability to delay gratification and accomplish things all to God's greater glory. And it played out in being a nanny and now as a mom and as an instructor. And I get this feeling whenever I talk with you, Emily, that there's an authentic quality in your life, that this is all that you authentically have emerged in relationship to your family foundationally, in relationship to God, and now in the family that you and Scott have created together. So, what an extraordinary Thing, to be able to see that sort of this, almost this beautiful kind of, I, I almost see it as, you know, when you see a spider's web in the morning and it has dew on it, I almost feel like it's that kind of a web image of things kind of crisscrossing and drawing together to make something beautiful.
2: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, so God has this great plan, and, and He does put the pieces together as we do our best day to day to live authentically. Any closing thoughts for either young people being homeschooled or for the parents struggling to kind of pull it all together and build an authentic life for their kids? What would you like to say to them?
2: I think, I think having a schedule that works for your family, some sort of outline that you can you can work towards every day is vital to success as a homeschooling family. It doesn't mean each day has to look exactly the same or you have to be rigid and unhappy and super strict. It just means having some sort of overarching guide for your family and what's going to fit your children's needs and your needs as a parent, I think is very, very important. And that takes time to develop. I've been married for over seven years It's taken me that long to figure out what's a good rhythm for for my household and running this household. So it takes time. So you want to be patient. You want to give yourself grace. Try things. Oh, that didn't work. That's okay. Try something else. That's the beauty of being a homeschooling parent is you get to try different things with your family. There's not, you know, one, one size fits all right? So, so having some, some sort of guide, that will also help your children. It will help them stay accountable uh, because they will have an idea of what to expect. And I think that's really important. And I think the other thing I would just encourage is making sure your kids get outside and run around, take them for walks, go to the park, because it's so easy when you're homeschooling to your home. And then you want to make sure you're also getting out and getting getting some of that extra energy out because you are home all the time, and the kids are home all the time. It's Some aren't. We were. We kind of lived out in the middle of nowhere. So <laughs> I know some families are running everywhere. But my experience, we were home quite a lot. And so we had big open country. We lived, lived out in the country. My mom made sure we were outside because we, we needed that. So I just I feel like just make sure your kids are getting outside. Make sure you have some sort of overarching structure for your home and 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 pray. Yes. <laughs> Rely on God.
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Emily. Everybody, if you want to find Emily, go to homeschoolconnectionsonline.com. dot com. She is the Master Latin instructor for Homeschool Connections, which has just won a whole bunch more awards. They've won so many for high school and middle school instruction and tutoring. Um, So we're really blessed to have Emily. And um, just please check out her courses for your kids. They're fantastic. She's really a very gifted teacher. And thanks for being with us, Emily.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: Yeah, me too. And everybody, stay tuned. We have our three-minute feature coming right up.
1: Hello my homeschooling friend. I'm Celeste Behe, and today on Story Strands, we're talking about how to tell Bible stories. Can you picture Saint Joseph and Our Lady delighting their little boy with tales from the Old Testament? How can we tell Bible stories so that they come alive for our children? Here are a few tips. Number 1, close your Bible Yes, you heard right. Remember that Bible narratives started off as oral accounts, so why not share them that way? Animate the stories by telling them in your own words and imbuing them with your personal witness. Number 2. Get the kids involved in your storytelling. Allow them to ask questions. Let them finish your sentences. This kind of interactive telling engages children in a way that having them passively listen to a story simply doesn't. Number three, draw pictures to accompany your storytelling using a whiteboard and markers. Yes, stick figures will work just fine and what you may lack in artistic talent, you can make up for with your enthusiasm. Number four go ahead and ham it up. As the storyteller, you can become the Bible characters in your story. Have your kids ever mixed up biblical names like, say, Jeroboam and Jeremiah? Have you ever done that? Hmm? I know I have, but I can guarantee that if you act out the kingly Jeroboam and the humble Jeremiah, Your children will not forget either the Bible stories or the lessons that they impart. Number five, look for fine art that depicts Bible stories and use the art to enrich your storytelling. Select visually powerful pieces like Caravaggio's The Conversion of St. Paul on the way to Damascus. Let your children look at an image of a painting while you tell the story it depicts. Be sure to reference details that appear in the painting. Your kids will come away with lasting impressions of Christianity's most important events. St. Jerome said that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. In helping your children to know the Bible, you are helping them to know Christ. So share Bible stories in your own words involving your kids Drawing pictures, acting out, and enriching your stories with art. I'm Celeste Behe, and I thank you for tuning into Story Strands. Please come visit me at celestebehe.com.
0: And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by HomeschoolConnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining
1: us.